Uh, tonight is the end of our series in the Gospel of John. Um, we've been in the Gospel of John since the beginning of February. It's been three months since we've been in John. Um, next week, just letting you know, next week we'll be starting a brand new message series called People Matter. And we're going to look at different groups of people and what God thinks about them and what scripture tells us about them. It's a pretty exciting series. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, we've also got some guest speakers coming in as well. And so it's going to be a great series. So make sure you join us for that. Now, as I said, we've last three months, we've been looking at the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the author, the disciple John. Now, as we get to the end of the Gospel of John, the very last verse, the very last verse is John chapter 21, verse 25. And John writes this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. What John's saying is this, if I wrote down everything that I saw, I experienced, and that I witnessed about the life of Jesus, there just wouldn't be enough space. Now, why does John tell us this? Why does John tell us this? John tells us this because he wants us to know that everything that he wrote down, he wrote it for a specific purpose and intention. He didn't just write whatever about Jesus. He didn't just, you know, just roll the dice and just whatever happened that day he wrote about Jesus. Everything he wrote was intentional and he wanted us to know that about Jesus. Now, what was the specific purpose that John had in writing the Gospel of John? We go back to John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John was very clear on his purpose. He wanted people to see Jesus. He wanted people to believe in Jesus. And he wanted people to receive eternal life. John writes this gospel to convince us, convince the readers that Jesus is who he says he is. That he is the living son of God. And that when we believe that to be the truth, when we believe him, follow him, and obey him, we receive eternal life in heaven with him. Now, that's why when we get to the very last chapter of John, we need to understand why John put this in. Two weeks ago, we talked about the death and resurrection. And then last week, we talked about Jesus coming back alive and meeting uh, his disciples. But I really believe that John put this in there, this last passage in there, in John chapter 21 that we're going to look at, really to speak to us. And I really believe that God's going to speak to us today through this passage. I hope you're excited and ready to receive. Now, let me start with a story. We all make mistakes there was a funny poem once that someone wrote, God made the rivers, God made the lakes, God made you, God made a mistake. That's sad but, and theologically incorrect because God doesn't make mistakes. But we make mistakes. We make mistakes all the time. If you have lived long enough, you would know 
that you have made plenty of mistakes, some bigger than others. Can you remember a time where you really just stuffed up, where you really put your foot in it? I remember when I first got my driver's license, like anyone does, you drive very carefully. You drive very cautiously. But as time went on, you become a little bit more confident and you become a little bit more careless and you become a bit too carefree in the way that you drive. And I remember one day I had my car parked in the driveway and my dad would usually um, park next to my car. But for some reason, he decided to park right behind my car. And now I saw him park and he got out and we greeted each other and and, and he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going out. He said, okay, cool. So I went and put my shoes on. And, and in my head, I said, okay, I'll ask dad to move the car so I can pull the car out and then I'll go out. And I don't know what happened, but my mind just completely blanked. And I just got in my car, started it, put it in reverse and just accelerated back straight in to my dad's car. Bang! And I just remember thinking, what have I done? What have I done? The worst thing was, my dad was just standing there watching the whole thing happen. And I get out, and, I, and obviously I had to pull my car forward. I get out, I look at my dad, I look at the car, My car's fine. His front bumper was absolutely crumbled. Let's just say that I took the bus and train when I went out that day. We all make mistakes. And this last story that John writes is all about a mistake. It's a pretty big mistake. But it focuses on this relationship between Jesus and the disciple Peter. Now, who's Peter? Peter was uh, uh, the, the oldest of the disciples. He was also the loudest of the disciples. But he probably wasn't the smartest of the disciples. Now, Peter, if you read the Gospels, Peter's mouth got him into trouble many a time. But to give you some context of, of this passage in John chapter 21... We see that just before Jesus was arrested, he tells his disciples, I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to be taken and I'm going to be sentenced and I'm going to die on the cross. And we see Peter being who Peter is. He suddenly shoots off his mouth. And we see this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 33 to 35. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. This is Peter at his best. Jesus, even if everyone runs away, even if all these other punk disciples run away, I will go with you. I will never disown you. But as the story would tell us, Peter, uh, Jesus would be arrested and as just as Jesus predicted, Peter 
would deny Jesus three times. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 to 75. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. He then went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know that man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are, the, you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know, beep, 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 I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now this story is also documented in all the other Gospels. But I like the Matthew one because it gives us a little bit more detail. But this is what happened with Peter and Jesus. Peter shot off his mouth and yet when time came, he failed Jesus. He failed Jesus. He disowned Jesus. He denied Jesus three times. Now, we jump across. Jesus dies on the cross and, he, and he's risen again on the third day. And from that time, he's appeared to the disciples twice. First time without Thomas. Second time was with Thomas that we looked at last week. And where we get to in John chapter 21 is where we see Jesus meet the disciples for the third time, and specifically a conversation with Peter. Now, Peter was a fisherman, and so six uh, himself and six of the other disciples, they all decide to go fishing. And they're there all night, and they catch nothing. And then in the morning, they're in the boat, and there's this man on the beach, and the man on the beach says, hey, have you caught anything? And, and, and Peter's like, no, we haven't caught anything. And then Jesus says, why don't you put the net on the other side of the boat? Now, these are professional fishermen and, and this man on the beach who happens to be Jesus, but they don't know that, says, why don't you put your net on the other side of the boat? And you've got to think, right? It's the same body of water. What's that going to change? As if the fish knew which side of the boat you know, they should be hiding on. But they do. They throw the net on the other side of the boat and we see this miraculous catch of fish so much that they actually can't draw in the net. And John actually tells us that 153 fish were caught. Now, they're looking at each other and they're thinking, who is this man on the beach? And, and John says, oh, it's Jesus. And Peter responds in true Peter style. He just jumps in the water. He just jumps in the water and starts swimming to the beach to greet Jesus. True Peter style. Now all the other disciples are like, Peter, where are you going? We need to take all this fishing. And so they, they come in with the boat. They come in with the fish. And we see that Jesus has breakfast with his disciples on the beach. Now, Throughout this breakfast is the conversation between Jesus and Peter. And that's where we're going to pick up the passage today in John chapter 21, verse 15 to 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You know that that feeling of when something goes wrong or you did something wrong and you know that conversation is coming up that, you know, like when you get your report card and you know that you have to go home and talk to your parents about it or, you know, you had a, or you did something wrong to your, your spouse and you know that conversation at night's coming up. You know, that's, that was the conversation that Peter had with Jesus. What's interesting is what, what Jesus says to Peter. Jesus asked the question to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's interesting because if I was Jesus, that's not the question that I would have asked Peter. I would have asked Peter, Peter, what's wrong with the rocks in your head? What's wrong with you? I told you, I even told you that you're going to deny me. And you said, no, 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 I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to go to death with you. And yet you deny me three times. How could you do that to me? How could you betray me? If I was Jesus, I would have taken Peter back play by play and made him feel every emotion because I was betrayed. But not Jesus. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, and I believe that this is his real response. Lord, of course I love you. Feed my lambs. And then a second time, Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me? And Peter, yes, I love you. Lost my point in my notes. Take care of my sheep. And then for the third time, Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me? This time, Peter's feelings got hurt. He's a bit sensitive, this Peter. And he gets angry. Jesus, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Now what Peter says was completely true. Jesus does know all. Jesus knew the answer to each of those questions. But why ask three times? It's because this is the conversation where Jesus reinstates Peter from being a failure to a follower again. And then Jesus tells Peter, Peter, you're going to die. You're going to die for me. 
you're going you're gonna to do exactly what you said you're going to do. And as horrible as that might sound, for Peter, this was the second chance. This was the chance that he had to do what his big mouth had said that he would do, that he would go to death and follow Jesus. Jesus addressed his mistakes and failings and reinstated Peter from being an absolute failure to once again being a follower, giving him the chance to do what he said he would to die. And history would tell us that that's how Peter died. He died crucified glorifying the name of Jesus. Now, there are three things that we need to note from this scripture. The first thing is this. We will never be good enough. I've heard this so many times before. I'm just not good enough to follow Jesus. If Jesus knew what I had done in my life, if Jesus knew me, if he knew what I was involved in, if he knew what I did um, you know, years ago, if he knew my past and my history, he would never accept me. Let me go. Let me go fix up my life. Let me try my best starting, uh, you know, trying to live a good life. And then I'll come and follow Jesus. I'm just too sinful. Friends, can I tell you? We're all too sinful. We're all too sinful. It's not just you. It's not just someone else. It's all of us. All of us are sinful and have fallen short of the standard of God. That's what it tells us in Scripture, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This doesn't just talk about sinful people. It just doesn't talk about criminals. It doesn't talk about bad people. This is talking about everyone. This talks about people outside the church as much as it talks about people inside the church. It talks, it's the same standard between those that have been going to church and those that are new to church. It doesn't talk just about people that come from broken families, but from all families. And we're not just talking about people with, with drug addictions. It's actually about all people because we all have sin addictions. Friends, no matter how hard you try on your own, you will never be good enough to meet the standard, to say, I'm good enough to be accepted, accepted by God. We're all sinners. Some of us are just more aware of our sin, but some of us are just in denial as well. Even Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, failed him. Why do we get surprised? Why do we get surprised when we fail Jesus? Now, so many of us have gone to church and we stop going because we fail. But why does that surprise you? We're sinful. We're sinful human beings. We'll never be good enough on our own. And that's the first thing that you and I need to understand. The second thing is this. Jesus will meet us where we are. And this was a point that we said last week when we talked about doubting Thomas. Jesus met Thomas in the midst of his doubt. And in the same way, Jesus met Peter in the midst of his failings. And in the same way, Jesus will meet you in the midst of your sin. We're all sinners. We all can't do anything about it. We're all dead in our sins and transgressions. That's what Scripture says. But Jesus meets us there. 
It's never, Jesus never says, go and fix your life. Go and become perfect. Go and, and, and do A, B, C, D, and then come to me. Jesus says, I will come to you. I will come to you. I will meet you. See, you don't have to make yourself good for Jesus to meet you. So it's, it's just wrong. It's just bad theology. Are you struggling with addiction? Jesus will meet you right there in the middle of your addiction. Are you struggling with sin? He will meet you right there. Are you struggling with anger? He will meet you right there. Friends, there is no sin. There is nothing that we can do in our lives that Jesus will look at and go, whoa, 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 that's too much. No, there is nothing, past, present, and future, that you will do in your life that Jesus and his death and resurrection will not cover. It is finished. That's what Jesus said. The final payment for our sins, meaning all of our sins, whether they're visible or invisible, all were paid for. We go back to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All, all have sinned and all are justified. It's not all have sinned and some are justified. Not all have sinned and the good people were justified. No, it's all have sinned and all are justified, not because of what we've done, but because of the grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. There's no such thing as bad enough. There's no such thing as too sinful, too evil. Jesus died for all. For you and for me, for all of our sins, past, present, and future. The third thing that we need to note from this passage is that he really, Jesus asked the right question. Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? He doesn't ask, How will you perform for me? He doesn't ask, Will you promise to never let me down again? doesn't ask, what can you do for me? He asks, do you love me? Do you love me? Believe this tonight, friends. Jesus is more concerned about your heart than about the results in your life. Jesus never asks for perfection because you and I, it's impossible. Jesus doesn't ask for perfection. He asks for a relationship. He doesn't ask for an excuse. He doesn't ask for you to try to justify your life. He doesn't ask for an explanation about why you live the way you do. But he asks, do you love me? Do you want a relationship with me? Because when we love Jesus and when we have a relationship with Jesus, then all the other areas of our lives will be transformed. This is how God came to us, out of love. God was motivated by love. 
when he sent his son Jesus. That's what it says in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He did that because of love. And that's what Jesus is asking us. It's not about results. He's asking, do, do you love me? Do you want to be in a loving and a living relationship with me? Will you follow me because you love me? Friends, as we conclude our series tonight in John, we've learned about the supernatural power of Jesus and all the miracles that he did in the beginning of the gospel. These amazing miracles of feeding thousands of people, healing people, you know, bringing someone back from the dead, walking on water. And then we saw this this beautiful private ministry moment between him and his 12 disciples, how he loved them. He got on his knees and he, and he washed their feet and he prayed for them. And then we saw his death and resurrection on the cross. Came back to life. It is finished. He is risen. That's who Jesus is. Throughout the whole gospel, he's been referred to as the Son of God. The Son of God. And this Son of God is asking you, because this is the intention of John. John did not just let you know this for the sake of knowledge, but the intention of John is to write, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you love Jesus? It's not about how good or bad your life is. It's about whether you love Jesus and you believe that he is the Son of God. And I want to, leave you with that question tonight. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that He is who Scripture says He is? It's got nothing to do with performance. It's got nothing to do with how good you are. Because if you believe that, and you want to be in relationship with Him, when Jesus says, do you love me? Then our response is, Yes, Lord, I do love you. Friends, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what your past has been, regardless of what you're going through right now, Jesus is asking tonight, do you love me? Do you want to be in relationship with me? Because I'd love to save you. I'd love for my blood to cover your sin. And I'd love to give you eternal life. And I pray that tonight, if you've never thought of this before, that tonight you would ponder wherever you're at. You'd have a really good time thinking about this. Real serious consideration of this. And that you would believe, you would see, believe, and that you would re receive eternal life from Jesus. And secondly, if you are a Christian, and you're listening to this, maybe you're just like Peter. I'm a Christian, but you shoot your mouth off and you make mistakes, and we all make mistakes. But Jesus, in the same way, he reinstated Peter and he restored Peter. Can I tell you, there's nothing that you've done in your life that Jesus 
can't redeem you from. And so for you, maybe tonight you need to be reinstated by Jesus as he asks you that question once again, do you love me? Do you love me? Let's pray.